Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, Hawk fans? Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Hawk Talk Podcast. I'm Ty Hudson, and I just wanted to say, hey, thank you for taking the time to listen to what Jacob, Porter, and myself have to say about the Razorbacks. You know, the ups, the downs, and most of the things in between. Hopefully you enjoy the content. If you do, maybe you could give us some of that star power over on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. We, uh, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening, and oh yeah, go Hogs! Yo, what's going on Arkansas Razorback fans? Welcome to the Hog Talk Podcast, episode 61. Hope you guys are doing great. Thanks for downloading with me today. None other than Mr. Jacob Scott Davis. How you doing? Hey, buddy. Doing good. How about yourself? Well, I was up super late, so I'm like, I'm really tired. I was up till, uh, you know, of course, the game tip-off last night with South Carolina and Arkansas started at 7.30, and then I did the post-game reaction, which was really just me ranting, <laughs> going on a, on a <laughs> rampage. And uh, everyone there kind of, we were all kind of reacting together there. It's always a lot of fun over on the Pictorial Network on those post-game shows. And then after that, I had to record uh, the Pictorial Pod, Thirsty Thursday, and that went up today. And then tonight, we're recording this. So I'm like, I'm ready to I'm ready to kind of hit the hit the hay tonight, man. I'm exhausted. I'm kind of tired. Oh, blame me, dude. What? Um, I got off early. Yeah, I got off early today. So it feels good to get off on time sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, be able to do uh, do secondary things that I love. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I hear you. It's uh, it's always fun doing these. I love I love it too that you're able to do this tonight because of what happened last night because of this Arkansas South Carolina game. Uh, I'm, I the first thing I thought after the show was like I cannot wait to get on air and talk with Jacob about this game. Like I'm really excited about it. I, I had to I I refrain myself from texting you guys. Or and I try my best to not, you know, to because I want your reaction raw, live in here, where we can record it and talk about it, and people get their raw reaction from us. So that's why I don't. I try to like keep it all for this show, and especially when you and Porter both are able to come on and we can all react to it together. Um, so stay staying with the game, Arkansas and South Carolina. Obviously, the Hogs drop a close one at home to the Gamecocks, who are starting to play a little bit better ball. They've got some great wins on the year, and they've also got some head-scratching losses. Talking about SC, talking about the Gamecocks, but they came into Bud Walton last night, Jacob, and they they snuck out a win. What? Uh, just tell me what you think, what you thought of last night. Well, it's a typical Frank Martin coach team. You go back, like I said on Thursday's show. Uh, or on was it or Sunday show when we were previewing this game? Uh, it's a typical Frank Martin team. Uh, when when he was at Kansas State, yeah, you had some uh, head scratching losses there, and and then you win games that you're like, well, that's weird. Jacob Pullen, you had you had one of the uh, best players uh, multiple times there at Kansas State, and 
and he lose some games he shouldn't, win some games he uh, he, he wins them. And then you're like, how in the world did you win this game? You beat Oklahoma, but you lose to uh, to uh, Northwestern State. Say say them for an example, and you're just thinking, wow. And here he is. He loses uh, some weird games in during non-conference play, and here he is beating beating Arkansas on the road, beats Kentucky at home. I mean, it's typical Frank Martin stuff. But I, you know, Arkansas shot 39 free throws, and I will say they made 26 of them. Uh, obviously, it wasn't enough to to win the ball game. The technical foul over on the uh, sideline and Musselman calling them out after the post game. Yeah. You know, you hope you don't have to deal with that again. That's a that's another spot where you think, okay, if you take those two points away, you go to overtime. You make two of your free throws and not uh, do uh, not have a technical foul. There you go. You win the ball game. Uh, there were several there were several plays there, especially the one. Uh, down low, Isaiah Joe was going after a rebound, and their their big man, uh, who had only been scoring like four points a game, comes down and basically shoves Joe out of bounds, and uh, it's a turnover, and they call it out on Arkansas, and, and South Carolina retains the possession. And then you go down the sideline, Mason Jones on a steal and a turnover, and uh, goes the other way. South Carolina forces him out of bounds, into the table. That's a foul. <laughs> Didn't get called. South Carolina... Uh, uh, South Carolina gets the ball back. Uh, Adriel Bailey falls to the ground and gets called for tripping Colzar. And you're thinking, what the heck? He yep. fell down. Yep. Oh, my gosh. He fell down. And you're going to call a foul on that? Two shots on the, uh, on the other side? Uh, with I mean, two more free. It, it just, it, I don't understand what's going on when you allow your teams to be physical in the first half, but in the second half, you you called thirty seven fouls. It's ridiculous. Absolutely insane. I they would keep whistling over and over and over again. We uh, I wanted Porter on, and I know he's listening to this, waiting on it. I know he's just grinning ear to ear. But his take on it is that you know you had a bunch of shots at the free throw line. Arkansas did have more shots. I mean, he's right. They had. Uh, 40 attempts at the free throw line to South Carolina's 33. First off, that's ridiculous. That is an obscene amount of shots. That's an obscene amount of foul calls. And my point is, yeah, first off, they should have hit the shots. But Porter Porter's belief is that you got to, you know what, you got to adjust to the game. You got to make your shots and he's not wrong. But to me, I felt like it it completely slowed down and took both these teams completely out of rhythm because the officiating, I mean, these officials were calling everything under the roof. And you don't really, what did we really learn about these two teams last night? When you have that amount of foul calls, neither one of these teams were ever able to get in any kind of rhythm. There's no flow because at the other end of the court, there's a foul. Now, yeah, Arkansas got some home cooking. They did. They got they got some questionable calls. There were there were a couple of calls where I was like, ah, okay, they probably didn't have to, you know. And that, but that's home cooking. Everyone gets a little bit of that. But the the fact that South Carolina got thirty three free throw attempts and Arkansas got forty free throw attempts uh, shots, that is that just speaks volumes to how poorly I think officiated this game really was. Now I do know Matt Zimmerman said that this is kind of typical of South Carolina. They they force you. There's going to be a lot of fouls, and 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 again, yeah. Frank Martin. That's his identity. He loves to play physical, and this is why I was so concerned about this game earlier in the year uh, because Frank Martin. I don't ever. I know he doesn't have the greatest postseason 
I, I don't I know his resume isn't great at South Carolina in postseason play. He did have one fantastic year at South Carolina. But um this is the identity of his teams. This is the DNA of his teams. They play physical. I just I think it completely disrupted the flow of this game. Arkansas was unable to to get anything going. And once they got within two or three points, or even within a point, they'd get hit up with some ridiculous foul call, like you said, getting you know the trip call there, and and uh, you know, and not to mention, how about how about throwing these guys out of bounds? Okay, maybe that's all right. Not throwing, but body bumping these guys out of bounds. I swear, nine times out of ten, that's a foul, and it's going to get called. Yeah. Neither time, I think it was you mentioned it. I think it was Isaiah Joe and uh, Mason Jones. So. And there were some other calls there that were just ridiculous and no calls. Times where it was like, okay, well, if you're gonna call, if you're gonna continue to blow the the whistle here, why not? Why not call a foul on the guy that that just body bumped Isaiah Joe out of bounds and, and instead of giving them the ball back, instead of giving South Carolina the ball back? Look, I, I don't like. We could go on about how bad the officiating was. It's it isn't why they lost. I I completely agree with that. When you when you shoot, you know. Sub thirty percent at three point range, seven of twenty six. You know when you're sixty five percent the free throw line. When when you're able to take, I mean they they didn't take Wit completely out of the game. I mean he did have you know he had three rebounds, a steal, seven points. He only got one called called for one foul despite being one of the better defenders on this team. Uh, but he logged thirty six minutes and the guy they just every shot he tried to take was completely contested. He goes two of seven. They kind of took him out of the game. Isaiah Joe, who they benched for four minutes, but then he comes in and plays 36 nonstop minutes. He still gets 16. You know, he goes 5 of 16 from the floor, 5 of 14 from three-point range, 1 from 2 from the free throw line. Um, it, it was it was a very it was a very odd game. No pacing was ever really allowed. We didn't – I don't feel like we learned anything about either one of these two teams. Um, Arkansas, for his physical South Carolina played, look, they could afford to do that. That's the other aspect of all this fouling. They could absolutely afford to do that, and Frank Martin knew that. They have way more depth, and with these officials not swallowing their damn their damn whistles, you know it's going to play against Arkansas. They don't have the depth. They don't have the, the ability to, to keep up in that in this kind of physical game when you're when you're when the officials are so foul happy. So it completely disrupts the game. I guess really that's what we learned. South Carolina has a deeper bench. That's really what this thing came down to. I mean, they had. They're- Two guys foul out, is that right? Was it two? Yeah, they had two, yeah. yeah. Arkansas had one with Desi. Yeah. So, um, there was one thing. I mean, if we learned anything on that last possession, uh, South Carolina, they played rock-solid defense. I mean, oh, right on top of them. They, yeah. they didn't let Arkansas breathe on that final possession. Nope. And when Arkansas needed to pull something out of the hat and win the ball game, South Carolina stopped them. And I s- that was beautiful because I, I was telling Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin's like, well, Jacob, what do they do here? I said, you draw up a play for either Isaiah Joe or Mason Jones. I saw them, kind of get them to swirl from the baseline, come back up, find a three, shoot it. And, I mean, it happened both times. And then the next play where uh, they tried to get Isaiah open, they did the same exact thing, this time with Isaiah. And, I mean, Isaiah couldn't get a shot off either. So, no. uh it, it both plays by Musselman was drawn drawn up beautifully, but South Carolina, obviously, I mean, they defended it, it just as beautifully. You know, they might be 
they might be as good of a defensive team as Arkansas. Uh, their ability to def- their def- their ability to defend out on the perimeter. I mean, they were in the face. People in my chat were complaining about wit, and it's like, did you see how contested every one of his shots are? And and when Isaiah Joe when he gets off to this cold start, Mason Jones, where the hell was he in the first half? So I think Witt took like four shots in the first half, I believe, and I think he was I think he was one out of those four. I could be wrong, but every they knew then. Well, we're going to zero in on on Witt. You had Joe on the bench for the first few minutes. Witt, right. you know, teams are recognizing that Witt is a threat, and when you don't have a low presence, when you don't have someone who can who can, you know, who can post up, when you don't have a big physical body that to then dump the ball down underneath to. They're going to key in on your better shooters. They're going to key on guys like Witt, who's got a nasty. Well, again, we talk about how ugly the shot is, but his his shot percentage at 15 feet, it's got to be north of like 70. percent It's incredible. Yeah. This guy's got a hell of a. 73. We'll say that again. 73 percent. Is that what it is? Yeah, 73 from two. Yep. I mean that's that's ridiculous. And they're all they're all mid range jumpers. That's what he does. Yeah. So that's easy to spot for for someone as good as Frank Martin as as an elite defensive coach as he is. Um, of course, we've seen what he can do with scores too. I mean, he's been a little, he's been on both sides of that offensive and defensive. He's just a really good coach. It's just a matter of time. I think if he were at a bigger school, I think he'd have way more success. But you got to chalk this one up to South Carolina. They played absolutely. Uh, they look. I mean, they're starting to hit their stride. They they are now twelve and eight, four and three in conference. Arkansas falls to three and four in conference with a fifteen and five overall record. Let me ask you though. You mentioned that final possession. You saw people were criticizing that final possession. They were criticizing like, what the hell was that? What are you trying to do? What was your response to that? I mean, I thought Arkansas did what they were supposed to do. They drew up ISOs for both their best players or both offense offensive. Uh, players. I mean, you draw up the Mason Jones uh, ISO. You, he winds from the baseline back up, gets the ball, and I mean, he dribbles around. I mean, it's what they've done all season long with Mason is try to get something to happen with him. He drive down down low, couldn't get anything. Go back up top, couldn't find anything, and the ball went out of bounds. And and then Isaiah Joe, they do the same thing, try to get him an ISO. I mean, you, you had your best two offensive players there, and you're trying to get those guys in, in, in some way to get them the final shot, win the ball game, or tie it, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't find a way, and I thought that the last play was, I mean, beautifully drawn up. South Carolina, like I said, defended it beautifully. And, I mean, that's what happened. I, that was my take. I was taken back, and I heard. I know you you had already mentioned that before about that final possession. But I was curious what you thought of what people were saying, though. I mean, I, I mean, it was in our Discord. It was on social media, and I'm thinking, are you? Did you watch the same game that we did? Because South Carolina had a response for everything Arkansas did yeah. on the offensive end of the ball. Like it was, there was nothing Arkansas could do to break free unless what happens. And I've said this time and time again. Why any defense, why any coach decides to switch to the 2-3 soft zone on Arkansas is beyond me. Because when they did that in the first half, they're shutting Arkansas down with that unbelievable uh, Frank Martin man defense where he is they're in your face. And they switched to a 2-3 soft. I don't know why. I guess they were starting to see maybe there was a mismatch on the floor. I don't know where, but they saw a mismatch maybe, and they decided to go to a 2-3 zone. And then Arkansas opens it up. Isaiah yeah, Joe knocks down a three. Shots. Say that again. They started hitting shots. They started hitting shots, and, and you play zone 
on Joe, he's going. That's a mistake. The guy can hit from anywhere on the floor, and help. Uh, so can Mason Jones at times. I mean, Mason Jones could take advantage of that zone defense. I don't. I don't understand why teams do that, but. You saw in that final possession, they played tight in your face. Well, those all the really the last several possessions they played tight man D, from what I saw, and um, Arkansas struggled. Arkansas struggled. Excuse me, just got done eating dinner, woofed it down a little too fast. <laughs> I, I yeah, Come on, I big fella. I, uh, I think that that Arkansas did the best they could. Uh, like they have every game. This Absolutely. wasn't an effort thing. There, I saw some of that too. There was no effort. Are you kidding me? I, it's it's oh, crazy because the sky is now falling. The sky is now falling for for everyone who's who uh, who I I know that there are some people out there that have a really high basketball IQ, and even some of them are a little they're panicking a little bit because Arkansas you know at home now has lost to Kentucky and South Carolina and South Carolina you you were favored to beat both these teams. And uh, you come out a little, you come out, well, you're flat, but you you still end up losing the game despite playing um, despite playing pretty well and keeping up with, with South Carolina. But there's a difference between playing flat without energy and shooting flat, but you're playing with so much energy. And that's what Arkansas's done all season long. I mean, Musselman has squeezed every single ounce of energy into every single game, his players are responding. Arkansas, after being down six nothing, they could have just rolled over, and they didn't. Well, they I mean, they could have rolled over when they were down eleven. Yeah, I was going to say did. they were down eleven at one point. And and they still continue to fight. And that's the thing: this season is not over. Arkansas is fifteen and five, three and four in conference play, but Musselman keeps continuing to squeeze every single ounce of energy, talent and everything he has into this team. And it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Just because – and, and they may not be winning games right now, but they learn from this and they continue to fight for their coach because they know they have enough talent to win ball games, and they believe in the game plan that Coach Musselman gives them every single game that they think they have a shot at winning. And Arkansas has not gone out and lost a game by any more than seven points this yeah, Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky, eighty six seventy nine was your first loss. That was on the road, and their star player, which in my opinion, they're a tournament team. If he was healthy, uh, oh, yeah. ba- Bassey's just a hell of a player, and and uh, I still don't really have an update on him. But I know he's out the rest of the season, obviously, with how severe that injury was. But I don't know how that's going to affect his future. Um, which it will. That was a pretty severe injury. But eighty six seventy nine there against a Damn good Western Kentucky team at that time. You lose to, to by two points to the only undefeated team in, in conference play in LSU, yeah. who's seven and zero with a sixteen and four record. Then you lose at home in a in a just a ridiculous. You know, it was just Kentucky had the bigger and better bodies, but they lost or Arkansas loses that one by seven points, seventy seven to or excuse me by by uh, they lost seventy three to sixty six. My bad. And then they go on the road, a place where they don't win often. At Mississippi State, and they lose seventy-seven to seventy there, and then they lose tonight. Yeah, they've lost three out of their four, and they're fixing. To, they're getting ready to go on the road to play Alabama. We'll switch over to that really quick. 
What are your thoughts? I haven't done a whole lot of research myself on Alabama, but what are you thinking there with them? Do you think Arkansas Arkansas's only, uh, or excuse me, Bama's only favored at fifty-seven percent for a home team in conference play? That's not really that high. No, and Alabama struggled throughout the season. They've had growing uh, growing pains. I mean, obviously they have a new coach with Nate Oak. I mean, there's been struggles at times, but I mean, then they beat teams that. Or, or play with teams that you're like, well, that's weird. I mean, they're they're continuing to compete with them. Same thing with Arkansas. They're continuing to fight with Musselman. And I will never say Arkansas is going to be out of a game uh, under Eric Musselman until I see Arkansas just get blown out and liberated. And I don't think it's going to happen. And I'll be surprised when it does happen. But I see Arkansas continuing to compete and go on the road against Alabama and make it a ball game. You don't You don't like them to win it, though? I want them to win. I know, but, but I'm not going to – I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they do win. But I'm not going to pick a I – don't, I don't know if I could pick anything right now just because they're both – I mean, Alabama, they could come out and – I mean, they lost by – they were down 18 to LSU the other day. And now and now Arkansas, here they are. They haven't lost a game by more than seven points. Here, and, and people are thinking, oh, the sky's falling, the sky's falling. You go, and, you go down to Tuscaloosa and you win a ball game against a – pretty talented Alabama team and then the perspective changes a little bit and you think oh well Arkansas may have a chance to win this one well if they lose I mean let's be real people who are starting to fall off the must bus um, and they're not it's not like there's a whole lot of them I think they're just a vocal minority but if you lose this it doesn't matter if you lose by a point in overtime they're still going to be upset and the sky will still be falling well, that's generally how it goes. Winning is the cure-all. If you win, then maybe you'll start to kind of win some of those people over. But I, I don't think it's as as bad as, as social media seems to make us believe that it is. Um, I don't think, if you want my honest opinion, I think there's still heavy, heavy buy-in for most fans. The sky isn't falling. And look, I sat here and said Arkansas would be lucky to get to 16 wins the preseason when we were doing our breakdown. I said they'd be lucky to get to 16. Look at them. They're one game away from that, and there's still a hell of a lot of basketball left to play. They are exceeding expectations. And and there's tournament left, too. There's tournament. tournament. There's 12 more conference games. You've still got a lot of – there's so much basketball left to play. If if you really believe that Arkansas is out of it, I want to know what your evidence is. I mean, what what really are you looking at that says to you, if you've honestly watched as much basketball, Arkansas basketball, as Jacob and I have, um, then what's your what's your case? Make it to us because I'm not I'm not seeing a legitimate argument just yet, not yet. Now we'll see with those last four games because I think it's really going to come down to those last four or five games and then SEC conference play. I think that's what it's going to come down to. But I don't. There's not enough evidence here to to tell me that they can't make the tournament. Yeah, sides. Okay, but they've overcome that, guys. They've won 15 games when they when they've been out rebounded by double digits, have no size, and are still beating teams with more size. They're quicker. They've got long, lengthy guards. They've got two of of arguably. Two top ten players in the conference, uh, one of them a potential first round shooter. Although he's not living up to those expectations right now. In Isaiah Joe, you've had Wit, who's been a surprise. I don't think anybody expected Wit to do what he's doing. Bailey, who looks like an All American defender. And oh yeah, by the way, Wit's a hell of a defender. I don't know if people have caught Musselman and, and Zimmerman talking about his ability to defend. That guy is just a 
great defensive player. Isaiah Joe had a, I think he had a steal last night. He had a couple of plays despite, I still don't think he's 100%, by the way, but despite not being 100%, there were moments where it was like, ah, Isaiah Joe, he's coming around. He's getting into his groove, and he started to play a little bit better on the defensive end. You know, there's there's too much. I think, I don't know if it's if it's talent or if it's muscleman getting the absolute most out of these guys like you mentioned earlier. Um but regardless, I, I do think Musselman's the X factor, and I think because of that, that's what could etch them into the tournament. Now, if you're going to start asking me how deep can they go, I, I'm not even going to start there. We're going to get there first, and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> I had people asking me that. I, I had a I had a DM this morning, as a matter of fact. How far does Arkansas go in the tournament? I'm like, I'm not I'm not going there yet. But um, my take on Alabama. I usually wait till Friday night to give anybody what I think is going to happen, but I will say I don't think Arkansas wins this game. Uh, they seem to be trending a little bit south. Uh, it's hard to beat Musselman back-to-back, but uh, I, I don't know. Alabama's playing some really good basketball. Despite, yeah, they lost to LSU on the road, 90-76. to Okay, I get that, but before that, they played a pretty damn good game on the road against Kentucky. Um, and then they beat Auburn at home, 83-64. to they then beat uh, Mizzou by 14 points. They go on the road and they beat Vanderbilt, and then they beat Kansas State in the Big 12 SEC matchup, 77-74. Uh, I know Kansas State was missing a couple players because of that fight the game before with Kansas, but uh, at, home, in the right direction. at home they haven't lost a conference game yet, and I think they've only lost one game at home all year, I believe. I could be wrong. I just don't like Arkansas's odds here. Uh, what they do well... Guys, they score about 83 points a game. This is a top 10 scoring offense in college basketball. They average about 41 rebounds per game. They're top 30 in the country there. Uh, Points allowed, their defensive play is terrible. They're one of the worst in the league. And that's really the only place where you feel like Arkansas might have a shot, but Arkansas is not known for great offense. Um, So this could either be an absolute shootout, with Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones and Witt finally getting back into into a groove because of how poor Alabama plays on defense, could be a shootout. But then again, it's we haven't really seen that yet this year because of Arkansas's great defensive play. But I, I'm leaning towards Alabama in this one. Unfortunately, they're just playing really good ball. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. No, and and this isn't a loss. I'm still not going to be now if they get blown out. Let's say they lose this thing by 18, 20-plus points. Yeah, okay, I'm going to be a little concerned. But even then, it's going to take a lot to to knock me off the Arkansas postseason NCAA tournament play throne. Like, it's going to take a lot. You know, then they get to come home and play Auburn. <laughs> uh, but then you get a little relief. You're on the road against Mizzou, on the road against Tennessee, and you get to host Mississippi State. I think all those games are winnable. Absolutely. So... All right, well, that's it for the basket for for basketball talk, I guess. Um, still, I love basketball. We could, I mean, you know, like what we did, what we used to do with baseball. You know, you remember how much baseball? And I know it's not that time of year, but like I felt like all of our podcasts, oh, it's sixteen days away. All of our podcasts were so baseball heavy, and I loved it. Like I was digging it, you know. Um, and we've grown so much since then. Uh, I'm curious uh, what what the audience thinks of the of the baseball talk of Arkansas baseball. Ty and Jacob talking a little baseball. It's gonna be fun. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> they, uh, it, it, let's say they 
I'm not going to give a preseason prediction. I still got a lot of studying to do on them. Oh yeah, I mean you both. They have the pieces this year to again make it to Omaha. It's mm. a beautiful thing. Three and years straight. Has that, I don't think that's ever been done. I know it's been done back to back, but I don't think it's ever been done three years in a row. I know one thing, Dave Van Horn uh, feels really good about this team, and anybody who knows him is saying the exact same thing. So, um, yeah, I think Kerstad and Martin have been making several All-American lists, or at least a couple, Baseball America, D1 Baseball, all those sites are really in love with those two guys. You got uh, you got some pieces. And you can't run on you can't run on Opitz either. Oh, yeah, Opitz. Opitz, the catcher. Oh, man. Who's, you can't run on him. No, you can't. Hell of a catcher. I'm, I'm kind of surprised he's not getting more recognition, to be honest. Yeah. But then he's, again. Uh, I, think he was, I think he made the All-American list for Baseball America uh, as one of the best catchers in the country. Oh, did he? There, there is that, yeah. Okay, well, I missed that. I missed that entirely. Do you think, and we'll, we'll skip over because we got a little bit of recruiting talk and then we'll end it there, but do you think uh, Connor Nolan ends up taking that, that – the, the Friday night spot. I mean, I think that's the obvious assumption is that it's Connor Nolan on Friday night, but can he be an ace? Is he someone you feel like you could really rely on? Well, look, he's going to be he's gonna be so fresh. And I don't think Van Horn, I don't know, I'm not going to speak for him, but I don't think Van Horn's a guy that likes dual sports, <laughs> likes, two, likes a guy going and playing two sports. So he's yeah. going to be extra, extra, I mean, ready, I think. Connor, I think Connor can be a premier guy. But don't throw, don't, don't, uh, don't forget about Cops and uh, Wicklander and several other guys out there that could do do some damage as well. They're they're I don't know the condition of their bullpen, but I think they're going to be uh, you know they're going to be deep. The question is is you know are you going to have are you going to have a, a stable starting pitcher on on your you know your Friday night and, and your Saturday? Are you going to have an ace? Are you going to have someone you can rely on every night? And I think they're going to have a couple of guys. You know that I mean, look, that started last year, and uh, you lost some pieces to the bullpen to the back end, but that's all right. I think they'll be. It's man, I can't wait. Like I'm, I'm excited because I know we're gonna start doing more and more research on the baseball team, and that's when it gets really exciting. And we're gonna have. I know we're trying to get Phil Elson back on. We've had him on the show before, and uh, that'll be. It'll be good to talk some baseball with him. Let's go to the last topic, and that's just some recruiting news. Arkansas, a certain tight end prospect today, actually tonight, just a little bit before we started recording uh, tonight, had a, a tight end that was formerly committed to Arkansas who's now going to follow Chad Morris to Auburn. Jacob, you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, I don't – if anybody thought he was coming to Arkansas, they were living with rose-colored glasses. They were wearing them and wearing them for – I mean, they, they were into it. And – the thing is, he wasn't ever coming to Arkansas after Chad Morris left. He was so sold on him. And, I mean, obviously, if, if Chad would have got year three, he would have been a guy that would have been a focal point in this recruiting class, along with Alan Horace. So you lose him, and you, you hope you uh, have a backup plan. Uh, Arkansas had Horace, Alan Horace out of Crockett, Texas, committed um, for, for the longest time, and then he decommitted. He's probably back. Uh, and then they also – a kid out of St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida. His name's Jake Ray. He's a tight end, uh, currently committed to University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Arkansas uh, giving him a look. Maybe Arkansas gives him a scholarship offer. Uh, maybe maybe get him on National Signing Day. But he's also gaining the attention of Arizona State. 
So uh, we'll see there what happens with him. Uh, but Brandon Frazier, six foot seven, two fifty. He's a big guy. Uh, can run really well. But uh, I think Arkansas lost. I think he's talented. But look, Auburn only threw three, uh, or the tight end only had three receptions this past season at Auburn. So obviously, uh, the tight end isn't very valuable. That's what was weird. I found that very bizarre when when uh, when you said that you and I were talking about that a little while back, and you said Auburn had only targeted or tight end only had a small handful of catches, and then you got Frazier who's going to follow Chad over there, who also, by the way, got his fourth star on twenty four seven Sports. By the way, bumped up quite a bit, Uh, and this was before he committed to Auburn. But it it, it is I don't know. Look, he's six seven. He's really athletic for that size. You know they know what they're doing at twenty four seven, I guess. But um, it's it's just strange to me that he would go somewhere where Gus Malzahn didn't really have a high value on tight ends. Maybe there's something more to that. Maybe they had some injuries, or or the quarterback just didn't favor throwing to their checkdowns. Or maybe that's just the style of their offense. And maybe they're going to change that. I, I don't know. Under, yeah. under Chad, the thing is, though, I mean, Auburn's used the tight ends of more of a H back. Uh, you, you think of the classic. Uh, great teams under Gus Malzahn. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the best premier uh, tight ends was Philip Lutzenkirchen, who is considered an H-back. Yeah. Uh, but most of the tight ends that have success in the Gus Malzahn offense are 6'3 or shorter. Yeah. This is going to be a – that's your typical size of an H-back. This is going to be a monster. Yeah. This is going to be a left tackle at H-back. <laughs> I mean, my God, 6'7". <laughs> Holy cow. But, yeah. That's weird. That's very weird. But we also know that Kendall Bryles has a lot to offer in his offense. That's and true so too. Him choosing, him choosing Chad Morris is obviously his family and they and himself. They he felt comfortable with Chad Morris. I think that's what's going on here. Very true. I can't blame him. Yeah. I don't blame him for going there. Obviously, they're coming off a nine and three season, off an Iron Bowl victory, um, and obviously Auburn is 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 some place you want to go to, but. Uh, you know, I mean, Arkansas, they don't have the – they're 2-10, and ten, coming off back-to-back 2-10 and ten seasons. This is going to be hard to recruit. It's going to be a hole that you're going to have to dig out of, but there's more target out there that you can get. And yeah. Arkansas can raise their recruiting uh, recruiting ranking getting these guys. Very true. A la Malik Hornsby. Malik Hornsby, who just got crystal balled by Danny West last night uh, to Arkansas. And – Baylor, I had a picture sent to me today. As a matter of fact, Baylor, uh, they're they're recruiting people over there. Also, believe that Arkansas is going to get him. There were some questions as to whether or not, and I don't know. I'll have to. I, I can't believe what I read. But this is from a poster at Baylor, someone who uh, who who runs their site over there, one of those recruiting sites, and he said that Baylor may not have been super interested anymore. Because, and I, I don't know if that's because he was leaning so heavily towards Arkansas and maybe they kind of withdrew f- a little bit. But um, something's going on there. I think Arkansas is starting to pull away with it. But, you know, you never know until signing day what happens. But I am starting to believe that he ends up being a hog, which is uh, huge for this class and for people who really value star power. And there's nothing wrong with that. Look, it speaks – the more stars – I mean, you look at some of the most successful programs that are continuously preseason ranked and – are going to the playoffs or they're going to big bowl games, they look at their recruiting. It's ridiculous how how you know how stacked some of these teams are and and they're just able to repeat every year and they're able to reload and restock yeah. up. And Arkansas's in a position where 
they're just trying to get bodies. And uh, Hornsby would be a great addition to this class. But yeah, he uh, he was crystal balled by Danny West at Hogsports.com, twenty four seven Sports to uh, to Arkansas. Um, yeah, it's a big deal. What do you? I I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but you know, there's another quarterback they have offered out in uh, C.J. Dixon. Oh yeah, we talked about that this past Sunday. Did we? And, uh, yeah, uh, man, I really like him. And I oh, we did. That's that's Dixon. right. Yeah, that's right. You I favored I him. I wanted C.J. Dixon. I like both of those guys. They're both athletic freaks, and you can see what kind of quarterback that uh, Sam Pittman and Bryles want. Yeah. Just by seeing the athleticism that they're trying to recruit a quarterback yeah. for this year and the years to come, it's it's going to be a fun time. It really is. If they get this thing going, if Bryles is even half the coordinator we think that he is, and you're going to have Felipe Franks and Felipe Franks, who who obviously transferred in. For those of you living under a rock and only listen to us, thank you by the way for that. But you know, I don't know, get out from underneath the rock maybe. But he's transferring in from Florida. Um, Rumor is he could have two years of eligibility if he files. So explain that he can he can file at the end of this season for another year. That's how it works, right? That's correct. Yeah, because if you if you think about the last guy, last two guys that that Arkansas has had, Kevin Richardson and and uh, the running back Cody Walker, uh, both of those guys, (laughs) they he was grandpa. I mean, he was there for ten years. He had gray hair. He finally. Yeah, he did. He was he was he was Papa, but you know those guys they they applied for the uh, extra year of eligibility after they uh, their fifth year was uh, stopped by uh, injury, and yeah. that's what happens there. You you go out there and you apply for it and you see if it's granted or not. Same way with your transfer rules. You know if you want to get immediate playing time and uh, be immediately eligible, you got to go through that process. It could take a minute or it could take weeks, like. Uh, like the whole thing with Kevin Richardson did. I mean, he was they they approved him within weeks. So uh, it just depends on what you what you have and and uh, who you are and right. what program you're at. <laughs> yeah. To know uh, to to know uh, if you get that extra year. Well, I I think they need it. I do. I think Felipe Franks. I think he's going to need a couple of years here, and and not just for him, but for Arkansas, for Bryles, for, for us, these, for us. Yes. and for those younger quarterbacks. I think they do need it a couple more years of. Of, uh, of of getting it figured out on campus and getting it figured out with this program and what they uh, what they want to do here and it can only benefit them. The question is whether or not they're going to be patient. And that's what kind of uh, that's what kind of worries me a little bit. Also, some really late news here. Really quick news. It's not late. I think I've talked about it a couple of times. But J T Towers, middle linebacker out of uh, Joe T Robinson. By the way, the talent that school is pushing out. They're about to be the next. Ooh, they're like Warren. When the when Warren pushed oh out God. all the talent, it's ridiculous. But this guy, his recruiting started to blow up just a little bit. He was offered really late. I think it was at Utah. Yeah, it was Utah. Utah offered him on January twenty third, and he declined to even go on a visit there. He is all hog, and that school had several 20, uh, 2021 uh, prospects on campus this last weekend as well. Joe T. Robinson is stacked, y'all. Keep an eye on that program out of, uh, out of on that high school out of Little Rock, Arkansas. So I really – I think we're – I think that's going to do it, Jacob. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Did we did we leave anything out? I don't think so, man. I think we covered everything. Uh, that, was, that was a really good show. Fun. I love recruiting. I love basketball. So – Anytime I get to talk about those two things, I mean, you gotta you gotta get me on. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love having you on. Love having Porter on. 
unfortunately, he was unable to make the show. Sometimes, you know, we're not. This isn't. You know, we all have we all have lives, and sometimes it's it's hard to get us all three on the same page. You know, the same availability, oh, yeah. not the same. We're all on the same page, but the, all three of us have the same availability. Sometimes it can be tricky. But shout out to Porter, our producer. And of all you guys that listen and download, we really do appreciate you. Please share the content if you can. Copy and paste the link to this podcast anywhere you can on social media. Feel free to join our Discord. We've got offers out everywhere. If you don't have one, if you don't have a link, <laughs> offers. I'm talking like we're we're college coaches here out offering prospects. You are. You're prospects to us. We want you to come and be a part of the team. That's what we want you to do here at the HTP. So send, send us an invite or, or a... A friend's invite, whatever. Follow us on Twitter. Ask for the Discord link, and we'll get you to you. And you can come be a part of the HTP Discord. It's really fun. Some really good information shared. And we're all, you know, it's just a close-knit community. It's pretty fun. So, all right, that's it. Thank you guys so much. Oh, did you have something else you wanted to add? All our content is F-R-E-E-F-R-E-E. Free, free, free. Free, free, free. It's the best thing in the world. So that's going to do it. Thank you guys again. Remember to give us some star power. We love you. Woo Pig Suey. Go Hawks. Woo Pig. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.